Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. From CAFE and the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Stay Tuned in Brief. I'm Preet Bharara. If you're on social media, you've likely seen parents posting content featuring their children. When these parents amass thousands of followers, there's potential to profit from these posts that primarily feature their kids. A new law in Illinois, which passed over the summer, seeks to address this relatively new issue of parents who monetize their children's presence on social media. It allows those children, upon turning 18, to sue their parents if they weren't adequately compensated. The law is the first of its kind in the U.S. and could pave the way for similar legislation in other states. Joining me to discuss this new law and its implications is Jessica Maddox. She's a professor in the Department of Journalism and Creative Media at the University of Alabama, where she studies social media and its societal impact. Professor Maddox, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So can we, can we begin with a basic question? What are we even talking about? <laughs> There's this thing called kidfluencing. Mm-hmm. What is that and why are we talking about this? Yeah, so as social media grew in popularity, people in a variety of ways started to realize, you know, they can be compensated for this, whether it's through um, the platforms themselves, through things like YouTube's partner program or the TikTok creator fund. Um, but oftentimes more lucratively through sponsored content, through brand deals, through corporations and companies reaching out to social media users and saying, hey, um, you know, use this product in our post and we'll pay you X amount of thousands of dollars um, because they are typically in the thousands of dollars. This extended to uh, parents and their children. So kidfluencers or kid influencers have been a huge part of the social media landscape. They're extremely popular on platforms like YouTube and TikTok. Um, where we also see family vlogging, um, so video blogging channels where parents use their children for content. And this can be useful for kids to learn a lot about how social media works. But as the law in Illinois set, you know, the kind of the necessity of the law in Illinois shows there can be a lot of complications as well. When you say thousands, are there some parents by using their kids on social media, making hundreds of thousands or more? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've talked to probably close to 100, if not over 100, influencers and content creators in my research career. And most of them will tell you, you know, we're not talking about a steady stream of income. You know, brand deals are come as they are, right? You can never kind of know when the next one's coming. But 
some of the creators I've talked to have told me, you know, they get paid eight to $15,000 per post. Um, that, of course, is on the higher end, but the lower end is is not anything to scoff at. It can be, you know, $500 to $5,000. And what kinds of brand deals are we talking about? Yeah. So, I mean, it can be for anything. So I'm I currently I'm working on a project on book uh, influencers. So this involves, of course, you know, publishing companies reaching out to partner with creators to promote upcoming releases. But for parents and kids, it can be, you know, products. It can be school supplies. That's a time of the year where we see a ton of school supply sponsored content on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, right? Because, you know, kids need backpacks. Kids need uh, binders and pens. And I guess they get Chromebooks now, too. I don't know. (laughs) But all kinds of products. It can be uh, nursery products for infants, all kinds of things. So this law passed in Illinois, as I understand it, it's based off a law relating to child actors. Yes. That was passed in 1936 in California, Jackie Coogan's law. Explain who Jackie Coogan was and what that law was about. Yeah. So Jackie Coogan is largely considered to be uh, America's first child actor is kind of is kind of how he's remembered in history. And he got really famous in a Charlie Chaplin movie. I believe it was called The Kid and earned the modern equivalent of tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of his child acting career. Um, When he turned 18, he realized his mother and his stepfather had spent almost all of it so that he actually had no money um, and was essentially destitute and broke despite working his entire life. So he sued his parents and I believe, unfortunately, in his lifetime, he did not see it or really get any compensation back. But the law was passed then to protect others from having the same Impact. So when we started talking about before the Illinois law was even passed, when people were talking about, well, are these kids' financial assets being protected for being in their parents' content? And the Coogan Act was brought up a lot by saying, well, there's laws to protect child actors, singers, models, whatever talent. Where's the law? And this is a, a piece I wrote a year and a half ago now, like, where is the law to protect? these children and their financial assets, because we often don't think of what they're doing as work, but it's work. It takes time and effort to make content for social media. And I think that's part of the problem and the confusion about this law is people are confused about what the labor of making content for social media actually entails. But that is why this law was so important, because it is work and these children are working and they need to have their financial assets protected. So the California law was directed specifically at actors? Mm -hmm. Because I I would imagine you could have a broad law in the child labor category Mm -hmm. that would just deal with all. And as new technology emerges, you know, it would it would have covered social media, et cetera. But that was not the case, I guess. Correct. Um, It is my understanding that there is no federal equivalent of the Coogan law. You know, it's just enacted, I believe, in a a handful of states. Um, Even existing federal uh, child labor laws in the United States don't account for social media. Um, which is a larger issue that I, that I won't get into now of just how uh, far behind uh, social media laws and regulations are in the United States for keeping up with actual considerations of it. Is Illinois a hotbed of kidfluencing? Why would this pass in Illinois first among the 50 states rather than someplace like California or New York? So that's a great question. And no offense to Illinois, by the right, way. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love Illinois. I got family there. We got family. <laughs> The law in Illinois really has to be credited to Shreya Nelamanthu from Normal, Illinois, um, who began looking into this as a school project and approached her congressman. And to the congressman's credit, um, they took it seriously. And the law began being 
uh, examined and analyzed and kind of taken form from their school projects. So they truly deserve uh, the credit. And really, that's the reason is that there was just a congressman willing to listen and kind of take this down, see it down the field uh, to, to become legislation. And I can say I probably can't reveal the state names, but since then I've been since Illinois law has passed, I've been contacted by two state legislatures uh, in different states to talk about this law and the potential to get it going in their states. So you think there's a likelihood that this will pass in other states as well? I believe so, yes. Um, and I hope so. So I believe this should just be the beginning of the conversation. I don't think it should remotely be the end. I definitely think we're going to see other states work on this legislation. And of course, you know, some will pass it, some won't for whatever reasons. But I truly believe this is only the beginning of the conversation. So the, the law in Illinois that we've been talking about what does it specifically require parents to do with respect to money? Yeah, essentially, it just requires that when kids are featured in their parents' social media content and there is any income that is earned from that content, be brand deals or um, from those uh, social media platforms like partner programs or creator funds that I mentioned, that some of the money is put aside in a trust for the child so that essentially when they turn 18, they will have access to this money. Because it's understandable, you know, as, as a minor, parents are in control of your finances. Uh, but this law seeks to protect that. And in other words, it also provides the avenue for recourse that if the parent does not do it under Illinois law, the child is completely in the right to sue them once they turn 18. Do you think there's going to be a problem with enforcement or is that a concern? This is always the tricky part, right? Of how it, it kind of becomes the question of how- Don't I know it. Oh, yeah, right. I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir here. Um, how do you prove it, for starters, will be difficult. And I think the more we see of these laws, the more it is actually going to require social media platforms to work with these state legislators to protect minors in this way. You know, we obviously have very important conversations about how to protect minors on social media from a variety of harmful content, and we absolutely should keep having those conversations. But this is another aspect to it. This is uh, child ex exploitation that I think social media platforms need to play a part of as well. And I always say, if they can build a metaverse, they can figure out how to enforce this. They just have to choose to want to. I guess the, the other implications here, I mean, we've been talking about, I guess, the hypothetical situation in which the child is willing participant mm -hmm. and the parents are being somewhat responsible and there's a, a, this law to protect financially the child. But, you know, children are children and depending on their age, they are more or less able to consent. Right. What are the issues surrounding kidfluencing, which I'll continue to call it because yeah. I like that phrase now, <laughs> with respect to understanding whether or not the child is consenting to having his or her information online? That's the big issue, right, is that social media are so large and the potential for an audience so great that even if a child is consenting, I don't think they have, and I'm not a child psychologist by any means, but potentially they might not realize just how many people might see this content. And that's, of course, you know, is going to be dependent on an individual child. Like some ch children may have more of an ability to grasp that than others. But I say this because even coming into my college level social media and society class that I teach, my college undergrads are shocked when they kind of start to realize, you know, how the Internet is forever, as we say. And we and just how much things 
stick around and just how large audiences can be. And so I think that's one of the issues as well, is that you never know who's going to be on the other side of a screen consuming content. And while we can't necessarily control for that, I think we can mitigate it a little bit by making sure children understand and that while it may be fun to be in mom or dad's video, there are some greater implications to living your entire life on the internet. I mean, with respect to some of these, I'm not so familiar. Are there children who are able to earn income based on their parents putting their images on social media before they're even able to speak, you know, as, as toddlers? Oh, absolutely. Um, this even starts... Right, so how, how does that consent work if, if it's a toddler? Right. Well, that's a great question. Um, and you know, as, as not a legal expert, I'll defer um, to y'all on that one. But in terms of the ethical social media part that I can, you know, that I think about frequently in my work and an I can probably answer is it's questionable, right? Like if your child truly is not able to even speak to comprehend their image being on social media, it might be worth a pause. And of course, there's a fine line here, right? Like an average person can decide whether or not they want to post a picture of their child. But when the monetization angle enters it, it becomes a whole other thing. And so influencers in general have made have figured out how to extend their career trajectory by, you know, being a fun travel influencer or lifestyle influencer in their 20s. And then they sometimes segue to getting pets and then they become pet influencers and then they get engaged and they become wedding influencers and then they get pregnant and they become pregnancy and maternal influencers and then they have kids. And now we have parents of kid influencers. Yeah, I guess what we're talking about is not completely new mm -hmm. in the context of, you know, their babies in movies, their babies who are in Ads and are and are models, mm -hmm. and the consent issue arises there as well. And I guess the, the the key point is, in this context, is how is the monetization being protected? Absolutely, for the benefit of the child. Absolutely. Do you have advice for parents whether they should monetize, they shouldn't monetize? Do you have a do you have a normative view on any of this? Yeah, and I always feel like it's important to say here that you know I'm not a parent, I don't have kids, and sometimes the thought of raising kids in this completely social media world scares me, even though I do this for a living. Um, maybe it's because I think about it so much. But I would give the same advice to parents that I, you know, I give to my social media society undergraduates and it's just think before you post. Um, and that just because you can do something on social media doesn't mean you should do something on social media. Um, is generally my large scale social media advice. And that, you know, think about it's not just you and the immediate attention and clicks and likes and views can be really appealing. But what are the lasting consequences of that? And I, you know, when I say that, I think about one of the reasons I started thinking about this so much is I started seeing a lot of disabled creators on the internet talk about how they had been their parents had made content about them and their chronic illnesses and conditions their entire lives. And now that they were adults, they were like, wait, I didn't want my entire life on the internet. Um, I didn't want all these personal details about my chronic condition being out there. So I think it's important to remember that, yes, it's maybe something you are dealing with, but it is also something your child is dealing with as well, even if they aren't disabled or have a chronic condition. Yeah, you know, my circumstances are a little bit peculiar because my kids were very young when I was a U.S. attorney and for safety and security purposes, um, I think to this day, I've never posted a contemporaneous picture of any of my children. Oh, wow. Um, they, they have a little bit of a footprint, but mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, by the, by sort of by virtue of the accident of the particular sensitive job I had, our kids were just not on it. 
So, you know, I didn't have to worry about that so much. Um, so I guess if you want that, everyone should try to become a law enforcement <laughs> officer. <laughs> there you go. There's the, there's the solution. <laughs> What's next in terms of the Coogan Act being updated or this kid-fluencing financial bill? Anything else that we should be looking for on the horizon? Yeah, I think we are going to see a lot more of this legislation attempted. In terms of the states, I know Washington State, I think, has carried the, the carried this law kind of the furthest down the field in terms of it maybe being enacted. Um, and the I, I do have to credit the um, young advocacy group Quit Clicking Kids um, has been essential in kind of pushing and spearheading that legislation in Washington State. And I think we're going to see more of this. We're going to see a lot of conversations. And I think with these laws emerging in states, we're going to see a lot of conversations about, well, Maybe why do we need this? Is this really labor? Is it work? And I would say, you know, yes, it is. Um, I, you know, was just talking to a creator um, for research the other day who told me on top of their nine to five day job, they spend about 20 to 30 hours a week making content, editing videos, scheduling, monitoring analytics, doing all of this work. And of course, you know, a child may not necessarily doing that, be doing that, but it goes to show that content creation influencing, despite our kind of stereotypical ideas about them, is labor, and our laws need to catch up to that. Professor Jessica Maddox, thanks so much for your time and for explaining this issue. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For more analysis of legal and political issues making the headlines, become a member of the Cafe Insider. Members get access to exclusive content, including the weekly podcast I host with former U.S. attorney Joyce Vance. Head to cafe.com slash insider to sign up for a trial. That's cafe.com slash insider. If you like what we do, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Send me your questions about news, politics, and justice. Tweet them to me at Preet Bharara with the hashtag AskPreet. You can also now reach me on threads, or you can call and leave me a message at 669-247-7338. That's 669-24-PREET. Or you can send an email to letters at cafe.com. Stay Tuned in Brief is presented by Cafe and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The technical director is David Tatashore. The senior producer is Matthew Billy. The audio producer is Nat Wiener. The editorial producers are David Curlander, Noah Azalai, and Jay Kaplan. The production coordinator is Claudia Hernandez. And the email marketing manager is Namita Shah. Our music is by Andrew Dost. I'm your host, Preet Bharara. Stay tuned. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. 
get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta.